Welcome back to episode number 84 of the NP Dude. This is Jeff the NP Dude giving nurse practitioners a voice. That's all of your voices, my voice, everyone's voice. So keep those comments, questions, emails, concerns, headaches, problems, uh, show topics, whatever it is. I want to hear from you guys, so email me, jeff at the npdude.com. You can always catch me on Facebook and uh, give me a PM there. I am on a, on Twitter as well, at the npdude. You can follow me. I only have a couple followers there. Not many tweeters out there. Most people are Facebookers. Um, but you guys can catch me that way as well. Don't forget to catch me on iTunes. Leave me a rating. I still only have 14 like ratings on there. I don't know. It was like a couple days ago that I looked, but there's still only a couple there. So... Um, Big deals, guys. Uh, we, we blew past the thousand mark. I mean, with like a vengeance. We're like, uh, I don't know, uh, we, we gained another you know, 15 or so likes in the last day or so. I mean, it's we're almost to 1,100. We're close to 1,100. We're going to hit 2,000 quick. You guys keep doing that, what you're doing. No, keep sharing the show, telling your friends, liking and sharing as much as possible. Don't forget ratings are important because when you Google the NP dude or nurse practitioner podcast or anything like that, it'll come up with my Facebook page and it gives me the rating right there. It's like the first thing you, when you put the NP dude in Google, it gives the Facebook page and the rating right there. So it just shows credibility. If you guys like what you hear, give me a rating. If you don't like what you hear, give me a rating. I don't care. Whatever it is, give me a rating. But I want you to tell me why. If you're, if you're giving me a negative rating or an average rating, I want to hear the reasons why. Um, don't forget to um, another great way that you can support the show is to go to my website, thenpdude.com. You can click on the link for Amazon. It is my affiliate link. It doesn't cost you anything more. You click on the link. It takes you to Amazon. You do the shopping that you otherwise would have done. You don't have to buy whatever's in the little picture on the box. You can go buy, you know... A, a hammer, I don't care, it doesn't matter, whatever it is, you want to buy a new bicycle, sure, go for it, have fun, um, any subscriptions you guys want to do through Amazon too, so like if you want to get a subscription for Amazon Prime, if you click on my link, I get a teeny little slice of the pie, it doesn't cost you anything more, that's the cool part, right, so it's a way that you guys can support the show by clicking on my website, um, and I appreciate you guys doing that, you guys are weird though, you guys buy weird stuff, I love it. Keep buying weird stuff. I want to see the weirdest thing. The weirdest thing of the week, I'll, I'll announce it this week. The weirdest thing that somebody buys on Friday I'll, or whenever my show at the end of the week is. I'll, I'll, um, I think I'm going to make that kind of a normal thing, like Amazon weird thing of the week or something. I don't know. Something fun to do. But keep doing that. I appreciate it. Show topics for today. I got it. It's just stuff is pouring in ever since these new likes, man. And I got new people all the time that are just asking new things. But one of the things that I wanted to do, and I'm going to do frequently, well, not frequently, but every once in a while, is I'm going to go through a quick who the hell is Jeff discussion and uh, give the five minute rendition. And uh, hopefully it's consistently stated from previous because my story is my story and I tell the same one. So um, if you're a new listener, here's the deal. I'm Jeff. I'm the MP dude. I am. Uh, I'm a licensed attorney. I'm also uh, a uh, former licensed professional engineer. I let my license lapse in engineering, though. Got tired of paying for education. Continuing as to keep an active license for no reason. And um, I did. I did engineering and law for about 13 years. I stayed working in engineering and engineering consulting, but I worked in-house counsel as an attorney. And did a lot of contract negotiations, employee employment relationship issues, um, insurance policy reviews, and um, just making sure that the company was protected type of stuff. 
I've also done a crap ton of real estate stuff. I've owned my own companies on the side. I've done real estate uh, prospecting, um, you know, fix and flip type stuff because I'm kind of handy doing my, do my own work. And so I used to buy and fix some houses and sell them. I used to, um, I've got a little miniature farm in my backyard. I got a lot of little things that I like doing, just a lot of hobby stuff. And um, the short of it is I got tired of doing engineering. I got really, really disenfranchised with a lot of government regulation. I got tired with doing projects that weren't ever going to be built. I got tired of um, the monotony, sitting at a desk and not really being able to help anybody. And so at the end of the day, I decided after a lot of time, I mean years of like several years of soul searching and, and looking at career options and is there a way I can make what I already had as degrees work with a new career and realizing that it wasn't going to get me where I wanted to be, I went back to nursing school. And and my wife was extremely supportive to do that and help me with that and we, we, we got it done and worked in ICU for a couple of years, about four years, almost five years of ICU experience at uh, Cleveland Clinic and in Canton, Ohio. And and while I was doing that, I, I wanted to do CRNA, ended up switching because I just didn't like that philosophy of, of what they did. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, I give a lot of respect to that, but it just didn't fit my personality. I like talking to people, I like working with people, I like helping them feel better, you know? Not knocking them out and waking them up, it just didn't fit me. So I ended up doing family nurse practitioner, and I graduated in August of 2016. I've been practicing as an NP since the beginning of this year, it's 2017, and it's uh, almost August, right? it's mid-July. So I've got like seven months under my belt of actual practice. So I'm a brand new nurse practitioner doing this. And one one of the things that I was looking for last year when I was in school was I don't see any. I'm a podcast, avid podcast listener. I love podcasts because I can do them on my time when I want, where I want, and um, I can kind of control that. And the, the thing is, is that there was no good nurse practitioner podcast. I saw a lot of stuff out there, and this is why I'm doing this. This is important that I'm explaining this because... The scope of what I'm doing, we talk a lot about scope of practice and scope of different things, right? The scope of the NP Dude podcast is to talk about things that are just affecting us in day-to-day -day life. What are things that affect nurse practitioners? What headaches are you having? That's the key. I'm not going to sit here and do a you know clinical minute type thing. And I saw somebody post on uh, Facebook, you know what podcasts are good out there, and, and and one person said I really don't like the MP dude, and I'm good with that. I'm perfectly. I didn't even chime in on that. I saw it. I was like, yeah, okay, I respect that. She didn't like it. I'm good. If you don't like what you what you hear, turn it off. I get it. I do that all the time. If I don't like a podcast, I'm bored out of my mind. I switch. Well, that's what happened to me last year. Was I could not find a podcast that I liked. Just couldn't find one. And so I, uh, I was joking around with some friends in NP class, and I'm like, I think I'm going to start a podcast. And they're like, well, what are you going to call it? I said, I don't know, the NP dude? I don't know. I say dude a lot. So I was like, yeah, yeah let's call it the NP dude. And um, they all kind of laughed, and they, they thought I was joking. And, and at the end of the day, I wasn't really joking. I'm like, there's nobody doing anything. And so I figured if I could chronicle the things that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis that are a pain in the ass to me, chances are they're a pain in the ass to you or at least a bunch of people out there. And if I don't know how to do something, I ask. I ask people on the forums on Facebook, I ask people on other forums, I, I ask people at work. I, I, I don't know how to do everything. I know how to do a lot of stuff. 
but I don't know how to do everything. And there's a lot of stuff in this world of nurse practitioning that I'm not going to know. And I'm going to defer to you guys to help me out. And so that's part of the reason I'm doing this too, is so we can collaborate together. And this is an easy way for me to respond to a lot of stuff on Facebook that, that maybe I do have some expertise in from my background. And when I see people giving bad advice, it's easier for me to pick up my recorder, record a show, which I do in my car almost all the time because I have a long drive to work doing it right now. It's sunny and beautiful and I'm driving to work. And so, so it's just an easy way for me to actually provide information to people and uh, hopefully give some advice of where to start looking for them to gain the knowledge. I'm not a spoon feeder. There's a lot of people out there that keep giving me like, hey, you didn't talk about this in depth or you didn't talk about that in depth. And my response is, well, that wasn't the question that was asked of me. Ask your question to me and I'll see if I can answer it. If I can't, I'll ask you guys to help answer it. See what I'm doing there? I want to make sure that people understand the scope of what we're doing. And it's just to, to try to fill in the gaps of things that aren't told to us as as nurse practitioners and business people, because whether you want to believe it or not, as a nurse practitioner, the second you graduate and took your first job, you're a boss. You delegate. You delegate work. You delegate everything. You know, you delegate to spe specialists. You delegate. And, and that means you're a boss. And you need to think like a boss. And if you think like a boss, it's going to make your day go a lot easier. That's for sure. And uh, so that's that's a big part of why I want to do this is just to give you guys a quick heads up. That being said, let's move on. Okay. If you guys have any other questions about my background, I've done sh different shows. You can always search my website, thempdude.com, and there's a search box there. You can search for you know law school or anything like that. I talk about law school and exams and bar exams and stuff like that because I get a lot of people asking about that. So go listen to every episode, and then you'll know all about me. It's easy, right? All right. So kind of dovetailing into being a boss, right? And there was a, a, a question that came to me through my Facebook uh, messenger, through the NP dude. And, and I'm not going to use names. I'm not going to use the exact circumstance because I do not divulge who you guys are because I don't want to piss anybody off because you just never know who's listening, right? And I don't want to put you in a pickle. Nobody wants to be in a pickle. Scenario. NP with some experience or not doesn't really matter. But NP NP is working um, collaborative agreement with a physician, so it's a collaborative state. I'm not sure what state it is. Doesn't really matter. And um, the nurse practitioner is it's a real small practice. It's you know an MA, the nurse practitioner, and the collaborative. But for some reason, the collaborative is never available. Right, like right in person, which is okay. You don't necessarily need them. Right. However, the MA is the quasi-scheduler, quasi-office um, manager, credential. It does everything, right? The go-to person that basically runs the practice. However, there's friction because the MA is running the practice, is telling the nurse practitioner how to basically do their job. Now, I'm, and, and it doesn't get into details on the what, what that means, okay? But there's friction there. That's the important part. And and th this person's upset and, and says, you know, am I wrong for being upset about you know a, a, an MA that has you know a, a nine month degree in how to do blood pressures and room a room a patient is basically managing me. And and my response was, you're not wrong for that. That's a natural feeling. But I do think that you need to ask yourself this. Put your put your degree on a shelf because it doesn't really matter. 
You know what I mean? In, in the scheme of things, this is another human being. Let's put our human's hats on first. If this human being is making your job easier than it would be without that person there, or that person is doing a better job than anybody else you could get to fill their shoes, I say suck it up. Because without them, your life is going to be a disaster. Which means you're basically going to have to move to a different company. If you have an MA that doesn't have ambition, doesn't doesn't show um, the ambition to get things done, then, then um, I kind of would suck it up. Now, the problem is this. If this MA is directing your patient care, then that's a big deal, right? That's like, you know, which referral? Well, we're not going to send her to that referral. We're going to send them to this referral. No, I want them to go to that referral first. This is the more important one. Let's do that. Then, then, then I would put my foot down and say, listen, I am the licensed nurse practitioner. I get to make the clinical decisions. You are an MA as far as training is concerned. I love you. I need you. I want you here. You're well-respected, but you cannot be making clinical decisions, and I won't back that up. That's not going to work. And that might be a deal breaker for me to be here. Okay, so that, that that's a different issue, but I, and I don't think that's what's going on here. The bigger thing for me is this. If you go to the collaborative physician who may be the owner, I'm not sure how the, the ownership of this, this small organization is established, but I think that's what's going on. I think the, the collaborative owns it, and you as a nurse practitioner and the MA are both employees, whether you're a contractor or not, doesn't matter. And I would go behind closed doors to the collaborative and say, look, this individual is trying to direct my patient care and is treating me as though they're my boss. Are they my boss? And I would have the collaborative doctor establish the boundaries that need to be set. Because maybe he's telling the MA that you're the office manager, you're running the show. So maybe that MA is really acting in the scope of what they expect that they are, that, that, that they've been delegated. Now, we've talked in the past, I think it was yesterday or the day before, about whether an, an, an RN can manage an NP. And I, you know, I'm pretty confident, yes, they can be your manager or your boss, but they cannot direct your, your clinical decisions. I think that's the same situation here. It's just it's another rung on the on the tier system if you wanted to think of in terms of levels of education. It's another lower tier of education and not saying not discounting what they do. They're very important. If you got an awesome MA, they can they can make or break your practice. So that's I'm not not at all degrading an MA. That's not at all what I'm saying. But my point is is that the level of education to get an MA degree is significantly less than an RN, which is significantly less than a nurse practitioner. Right? I think everybody would agree with that. So, I, you know, how do you play that one? It's really difficult, but I would go to the collaborative or the owner, whoever the owner of the company is first, and say, look, here's what's going on. I'm not trying to be petty. I'm not trying to say, well, I'm the NP and you're the MA. Don't have that ego because that is not attractive. Nobody wants to see that. Okay? Um, Keep in mind, as a former um, boss, right, manager, if somebody comes to me as a manager and says, I have a problem, you're creating work for that boss or that manager, right? So now this boss has to come up with a way to break the news. You can't talk like that to this other person. Then there's friction behind the scenes. It's passive aggressive. And, and so, I, you know, it's you're creating a problem. You're creating work for somebody. 
So you have to keep that in mind. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying you got to keep that in mind. Now, the way I always try to do it is this. Whenever I create work for somebody, I've said this before, if I create work for somebody, I automatically have a solution in mind for them. If I'm going to somebody just to bitch about them, it, it doesn't solve anything. You're, you're creating work and you just look like you're bitching. And it's not helpful. It really isn't. You're just making work. But if you give a solution that's a viable solution, you give somebody pain and then you immediately give them an option to take away the pain, they'll be appreciative. They'll be like, oh, that's, got, that's, that person's on, on, that's a sharp person. They know what the hell they're doing. They're smart. They got this figured out. Okay, yeah, no problem. Um, and it might even require a th you know, all three of you guys to sit down and have this discussion. Say, look, we, let's just identify some boundaries and let's identify who's supposed to be doing what, who's, who's manager, you know, is she, is she my boss? Is she not? Cause I just don't, I get the feeling that she's acting like she is, but she's not. Let's just lay it all on the cards on the table because we're supposed to all work together and it doesn't seem to, that we're, we're hitting on all, all cylinders. We're not all working together as a team. That's what I would do. That's probably what I would do. I probably wouldn't go behind closed doors with the, with the collaborative first. I would just, um, I mean, you could have that discussion behind the scenes and just say, Hey, what's the scope of this? Don't say anything yet, but I just want to know that, you know, what have you been telling her? What's your intent for things? How's this moving forward? What's your expectation for me? What are my roles? You know, that, that type of stuff. I, I can see doing that, but I wouldn't bash or, you know, say, oh, well, you need to go have a discussion with so-and-so. I would, I would probably try to do that, all three of you, if it's a small practice. Because the last thing you want is bad blood, especially in a little practice. You spend a lot of time with these people, tight little quarters. You're going to be stuck with somebody you don't like. That's, yeah, you don't want to do that. All right. But that was a, that was an interesting one, and, and uh, I hope that gives you at least some ideas of what I would do. And and I you know just reaffirming it, you're not wrong. Those feelings are absolutely natural. If I had an MA that was going around telling me what to do all the time, I'd be like, you know what, you're an MA. <laughs> I, that's what I would want to say. I probably wouldn't. I'd probably bite my tongue. But I'd be like, listen here, you know, you got like you know a year's worth of training or less, and you're telling me what to do. I don't, I don't really like that. You know, you could tell me where to you know put put my super bills or you can tell me, you know, where to put, you know, faxed orders and things. I, that's great. You can tell me where to put on all day. I could care less. But if you're trying to, you know, push around my clinical decision-making, we're going to problem. And, and I think that a lot of what, what you can do is just show confidence in what you're doing. And, um, you know, which I, t I said that before in the previous show, just be confident in what you're doing. That helps too. Then people are less apt to push you around. All right, second topic of the day. I had a couple of weeks ago asked people when I was talking about the Affordable Care Act and the new laws that are being proposed and how they're not really doing anything and they're not going to really get enacted and they're not doing anything big deal. So I saw a post on Facebook today, this morning, and it was somebody saying, well, now that looks like they're just going to repeal it because they can't get it done. They can't get the replace done. So we're just they're going to repeal it and it's going to unwind everything. It's going to be a disaster. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. No, that's, that would be career suicide for anyone that signed their name on that bill. Now, maybe somebody will propose it. You know, some some you know junior congressman that's you know not going to be running for re-election that doesn't care that wants to leave Washington. Maybe they'll propose it so that they get you know they can get put on the chopping block. But I don't think anybody's going. It's never going to go anywhere. However, I did ask in that podcast when when I was presupposing that we're headed towards single payer if somebody could convince me why it would be a good idea. 
And I got a response from somebody. I got one from an, one of my chronic intractables. If you're a new listener, chronic intractable are the people that are my chronic listeners and don't go away, right? Which I love. That's why they're called that. It's not a negative term. Chronic intractables is a good thing. I'm thinking about making t-shirts. I think that would be funny, right? Chronic intractables. Anybody want a t-shirt? Let me know. I'm going to see if we'll make that happen. Email me, jeff at the mpdude.com, or give me a Facebook um, message if you uh, if you think a t-shirt's a funny idea. Anybody got any graphic arts experience that'd be that want to donate how to do a t-shirt that'd be great all right anyways um so i got an email from one of my chronic intractables i was not um permitted to use a name or location or specific instances and i'm cool with that i wouldn't do that anyways this individual has health issues family people in their lives that have health issues and that have required um the need for um government assisted health care or health insurance I should say it that way which I, I hate calling it that because health insurance and health care are two different things we are health care providers health insurance is the people that should pay for things if you if something goes wrong and they step in and pay for it that's what insurance is for anyways a lot of issues a lot of things that are going on in their life that required them um, to find a state that would be conducive for being able to pay for their health care and the, the, the argument was health care should be a right because the, um, uh, the UN said it was a right. Health care is a right in the UN. And because, and I'm, I'm really, really picking this apart because there's a lot of things I can't give out, right? So I have to kind of pick this apart. And I'm driving too, so it's kind of hard to do. On top of it being a right, it just seems to be the moral thing to do because if we can, we, if we have the health care available, shouldn't we use it for everybody? And with single payer, that would that would you know that we're we're, we're gleaning from this 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 well written and there was no typos by the way. You did a good job. I didn't see anything that screamed at me. It was funny. Um, there was there was nothing in there that that really specifically said all of this information that you're giving me is the reason we should have a single payer system. Okay, you gave me anecdotes of things that that require health insurance, which we currently it seems like it's even though it's expensive, it's it's still available. Currently, you, you had a lot of a lot of hurdles. Now, I'm not going to lie, you've gone through a lot more than most people in life. But that being said, I think think that it still was possible, still able to be done. Now, with with a single payer system, would that still be available to you? All of the things that you've had to endure, would that be available to you? And and um, he referenced, you know, that don't use UK as a good standing point because they're that's not a good example. Okay, well maybe I don't know. Um, Singapore was one that was mentioned, and I haven't had a chance to look it up. I really, really want to. I just don't have time. I really want to, and I will someday. I, I just got to find the time to do it. But the the problem is this: we're not Singapore. Here's the problem: we're America. We have an expectation at this point. We've had 30 years of health insurance in government, Medicaid, Medicare that that have provided for a lot of stuff that you shouldn't really be providing for. And even in this individual's email to me, it said health insurance is broken. It's a broken system. I agree. But the problem is, is that 
we're, we're not using it as insurance. We haven't used health insurance as insurance for a long time. We're, we're the equivalent of changing oil is being turned into your auto insurance policy. So if you go in for an oil change, which you should pay out of pocket for, right? And I think everybody would agree that you shouldn't just call up, you know, Geico or you know Jake from State Farm and say, "Hey, uh, yeah, I need to, I need to turn in some some receipts for an oil change in my tire rotation." Doesn't work that way. Why should we expect insurance to be anything different with healthcare? And and the problem is is that there's now an expectation because it has been done that way for so long. So you want Tylenol? Oh, okay. Here's here's I'll write a prescription for your Tylenol because you can't afford it and you're on Medicaid, and they'll pay for it. So you get your Tylenol. I mean, there's a lot of things they don't cover, but there's a lot of stupid stuff that they do that shouldn't be. Oh, no copay? You have zero vested interest in your health care, and you can just show up how many times you want to go? I don't care. It doesn't matter. You can go anytime you want to your primary care provider every week. It doesn't matter. We may not get paid, <laughs> but they'll show up because they, they have an entitlement. The problem here is... When you translate that type of attitude to a single-payer system, you're going to exhaust the resources very quickly. So it's not going to work. And, and the big picture is this. There's still too many, and I saw this posted in one of the threads on Facebook. The, the pharmaceutical companies, Big Pharma, right, and the insurance companies are the two largest lobbyists. And and um, I don't know if that's true anymore. I know the the NRA is a pretty big lobby, and there's a bunch of other lobbyists. So don't don't take take that as as necessarily true. But I am going to go out on a limb and say that they're some of the biggest ones. So who do you think is going to benefit from single payer? Do you think the insurance companies are just going to roll over and say, "Oh, hey, we've been paying you uh, politicians off for the last fifty years, forty years." Oh, it's it's about time that you know, we'll just we'll be done now. <laughs> That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. They they still have their fingers in the pie. So do you think that it's going to work out good for us? The insurance companies are going to make money. Big pharma is going to make money. They're going to make more money off of whatever comes next. There's no way it's going to and, and that just means that those those resources aren't going to go to us. So the quality of the care, you, quantity will still be there. The quality is going to be crap. That's the problem. The quantity will be there. You can get in to see your nurse practitioner, but we're not going to have the resources to really do much with it. And then, and we'll get we'll have to see more people faster to make the same amount of money. It'll be quantity, and quality is going to go down. It's just I don't know I I don't know how else we as an American people are going to make that work. And I'm I'm going to check out Singapore and see what they do. But Singapore. If I'm not mistaken, their their GDP ratio of healthcare is a lot lower um, than ours, so I, I think that's a big factor there as well. But I also think that that it's just a total it's a totally different animal. There's no one else like America. There really isn't. There's just no one that's that's exactly the same. And the closest one would probably be England, maybe Canada. I I don't know. It's, it's yeah. Anybody in Canada, if you're listening, I want to hear how great your healthcare system is. First-hand accounts. I hear the nightmares on Facebook and you know on TV and news and stuff like that about people having to go across the border so they can get their knee surgery or back surgery or cancer treatments because it's you wait in line. I don't know if that's true or not. Those are just anecdotes of bad instances, and I think there's good, probably good care, and there's probably bad care. I think it goes both ways. 
but I, I'm, I'm just not convinced we can make a single-payer system beneficial to Americans in our current state. I don't know. It's a great, great, great mental thought, though, thought exercise. Keep those ideas coming, though. I want to hear more from you guys. I want to hear more about what you guys think about single payer and and how it's going to work and 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 not the you know pie in the sky you know socialist. Everybody should just get the same and it's all going to be wonderful and happy and great because that never works. That's never ever worked. Socialism has never ever worked. It just hasn't. Somebody point to a socialist society that's that's worked out great. In theory, in a philosophical, you know, if, if, if you could sit down with Socrates and talk about a, the, the types of, of um, political systems, and you could talk to an ancient Greek philosopher, then, then socialism would be fantastic on paper. But that takes away the human element of, of people once they get power. It corrupts, especially absolute power corrupts absolutely. So I, I don't know how we can get around the single-payer thing working out well for us. I think it's going to hurt us all. I just do. I wish it wouldn't. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. Maybe it'll be better. But I think it's just going to, it's going to cost more. It's going to hurt Americans all around. The middle class, you know, that they always say that they're trying to help, it's going to hurt them even more. The rich people will be fine. They'll always be fine. The poor people will be fine. They'll always get whatever minimum or more than minimum that they need. It's the middle that's going to hurt. And that's that's where I am. I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle, just like most of you guys. Anyways, guys, I really do appreciate you guys spreading the word about the show. I really, really appreciate you guys using the Amazon affiliate link. And... Um, Keep keep doing it, guys. Just keep keep the momentum. Let's let's go forward with this. I'm having a blast. I'm having more fun than ever. We're just communicating with you guys from all over the country, and um, just been just been a great experience talking with you guys. I love nurses. I really do. You guys are great people. So, thanks for listening, and we'll talk soon.